Welcome everyone to Politics Express, the Post Writer's General Interest Politics Podcast. I'm your host, the Post Writer's State and Science Editor, Lars Emerson. This week, we're doing a ranking of U.S. presidents. Who is the best? Who is the worst? Stick around and find out. With me today to discuss is the Post Writers editor in chief, Michael Levito. What's up, Mike? Not much. How's how's it kicking? How's it kicking? <laughs> yeah, um, there's a throwback for it. <laughs> I'm I'm doing. I've been incredibly busy uh, the past few weeks. Oh, I, well, <laughs> I've I've ridden so much New Jersey Transit the past few weeks. It's actually unreal. Yeah, stick around to find out which president <laughs> rode the most New Jersey transit. <laughs> I mean, you asked me how I was doing. I was just giving an honest answer. No, that's that's cool, man. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like I said, this week we're doing a run-through and ranking of a group of very close friends of ours, uh, post-war <laughs> U.S. presidents. I call them friends because over the last two years and our Running Mates and Watching Mates podcasts, it feels... Like, you and I have developed a very intimate relationship with these gentlemen, don't you find, Mike? I do, in a way. Uh, We've become, I would say, low-level experts. Yeah, they're like our buddies, you know? (laughs) And we hope that they consider us their buddies as well. But today, we're ranking them. (laughs) Who (laughs) is our best buddy? Who's the best buddy? (laughs) (laughs) Who was our best post-war president? And who, who could be the worst? Hmm. So, Mike, yes. why do we do it this way? Post-war presidents only, excluding presidents like McKinley, Lincoln, Washington, and the legendary Millard Fillmore. <laughs> uh, my, my favorite fact about Millard Fillmore is not really a fact, but when, when Washington posted the presidential podcast where they did an episode on every president, um, they basically just used his episode to talk about, like, how do you teach people about the lesser-known, unimportant presidents? Um, anyway, uh, why, why, why are we doing this? Well... I think, first of all, to rank 44 people, no, 46, wait, 45, 45 people, people to, would be a, a, a tall task in like a three-hour episode. Yeah. Um, and also, we've kind of developed, if we have any expertise, and, you know, who who's to say if we do, um, it definitely is in this era, right? Um, there's simply more data available. Um, there's more polling data. There's more policy data. There's... Just we know a whole lot more. Uh, just there, there's more sort of like media produced about each of these people, and frankly, I, I feel like otherwise we were kind of comparing apples to oranges, right? Yeah. You know, comparing George Washington to Richard Nixon is just a, it's you know it's it's like comparing it's yeah. like comparing that first like sort of movie about like the horse just running to right. you know the godfather it's just they don't have yes technically they're the same thing in a way but they also um things have just changed a lot right. <laughs> since well, um and america has changed i mean like yeah you can't really compare what lincoln went through to what nixon or obama went through right it's just, right right the country was completely no one was alive at the same time as lincoln that was alive when obama was president right it's just not comparable yeah Except for that and, one you know, guy. What's that? Except for that one guy who's really old. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's just, you know... I mean, think about, like, from purely... A, maybe I'm biased because I'm in J-School right now, but just, like, for really from a communications perspective, right? It's like, 
You know, you had to wait days, if not weeks, if not months, to hear news about what George Washington was doing. Whereas by the time, really by the time, I don't know, I guess Coolidge ran around, you could hear it instantly on a radio. But, um, I mean, with Truman, was, you finally had televisions in a lot of homes. So, yeah, it's it's just just makes more sense and uh and also i just feel like from like a content perspective listeners are just going to be more familiar with these people than they are yeah uh it, you it's, know it's the film wars and the tailors of the world yeah it's just very standard in political science just because of like you said that communications data is important having the mm. tv is like a huge makes a huge difference in like how presidents are perceived yes uh and like polling data like mm. we know for a fact that you know, Jimmy Carter was not very popular at the end of his term, but we right. can't really say that about Hoover, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, that's that's why we usually only do post-war presidents here. Um, you ready to get started, Mike? I am. Should we note that we are not including Joe Biden? E- yes. So he's still president. We're not going to include him. I'll quickly list our 13 post-war presidents we're including, and I'll give an impromptu... <laughs> Or you want to give an impromptu one-liner about each as I do it, Mike? That'd be fun. <laughs> On the spot. Uh, sure. It's a word association. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So here's here's our 13 post-war presidents we're going to be ranking. Harry Truman. Bomb. Uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower. Soviets. <laughs> he was a famous Soviet, yes. In the highways, yeah. Uh, Kennedy. Space. <laughs> Shot in the head. Johnson. Civil rights. Good. And Vietnam. Nixon. Watergate. And the EPA, Ford. (laughs) Motor company. (laughs) Pardoning Nixon. I don't know. Uh, Jimmy Carter. Uh, Peanuts. (laughs) Uh, Iran, I don't know. Ronald Reagan. Uh, Bedtime for Bonzo. (laughs) You're naming all these things that they did before they were president. I don't know, Reagan, the 80s, H.W. Uh, Bush. Reaganomics. Yeah, Reaganomics. H.W. Uh, Bush. Read my lips, no new taxes. Yeah. Bill Clinton. And raising them anyway. Well, yeah. Uh, Lewinsky. Oh. Uh, w. Bush. Iraq. Uh, Barack Obama. Uh, Affordable Care Act. And Donald J. Trump. Nothing good. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, what a great segue. Let's start at the bottom. Mike, who did you rate the worst post-war president? So, I, I made a big show on Watching Mates about saying that, you know, you could really make the argument, the what would probably be an unpopular argument right now, that George W. Bush was a worse president than Donald Trump. I will not be making that argument today. <laughs> um, Donald Trump is my last place post-war president. I don't know that I really have to explain myself is my guess, but I just think from... I was thinking about this today and it's like, I was thinking about um... No matter how bad you think a president might be, most of them at least pretended to care, and I don't think Donald Trump really pretended to care. And I was thinking, like, the, um... I don't care, do you, is what I'm hearing, Mike? Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) But I was just thinking back to, like, um, perhaps the most... I don't know if you had a moment that you thought was the... I would say January 6th notwithstanding, what you thought was, like, the scariest moment of the Trump presidency. Hmm. But for me, it was um, in June of 2020, when there were all those protesters outside the White House, 
and the uh, police gassed them so Donald Trump could take a completely asinine photo opportunity in front of that church. And I was just thinking about that, and it's like, I can't think of any other president who would do something so stupid, right? Even if you're somebody who was not, like, sympathetic to the protesters, it's like, why why go to all that trouble to 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 to, to make such a um, meaningless gesture, right? Something that is not even like um like effective pandering to ostensibly the religious right. Like every it was so transparent and it was just so dumb. He was just standing there holding a Bible. He knows whose Bible it was, and it was. This is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. And it, to be a little more substantive, I guess I would just say that, um, <clears throat> you know, Trump basically made it his mission to completely destroy our democratic institutions. And I mean that literally. Like, he just wants to override the election. He still does and be president. And also from a policy perspective, I mean, I think the tariffs, like, there's lots of labor shortage and inflation issues. Like, the tariffs aren't helping that, no. right? Yeah. Um, and his, the tax cuts he signed were completely moronic. They were served no purpose at all. Most Republicans I know don't even like them. And he, he, even most of his policy goals he never really saw through. And part of it's because he only served one term, Thank, hopefully. But, um, you know, there's just a real lack of vision and follow-through on his part on like anything so and and also just like a personality like he it was all about furthering his brand and it was just as ridiculous and stupid as uh anyone could have expected it to be <laughs> yeah, yeah i D donald trump would also be my my uh at the bottom of my list so we're in agreement there it's just i i was I mean, I, I was working in a newsroom for like the last two years of Trump's presidency and literally like just following his actions every day, which was, you know, as riveting as you can imagine. But I just I, I you know, you asked kind of like what stands out to you from his era. And yes, I remember the uh, civil rights protests at the White House in 2020 and just his response to the coronavirus and his like, oh, yeah, briefings were just like <laughs> wild. Just yeah. some wild stuff was said in those briefings. Um, but, like, I cannot... I, I, um, those fir That, like, first week of the Trump presidency was one of the most insane times in, like, history. <laughs> there mm. was just so much weird stuff. Like, I remember... Because the Women's March, uh, which I attended, was that next day. And I mm. also attended Trump's inauguration because I was playing both sides at the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know I, I went to both but then the day after January 20th or t January 21st was the women's march and that night um, is you know Sean Spicer came on and he's talking about how like the crowd at Trump's inauguration was right, yeah. was like the biggest of all time and yep. everyone in the newsroom is just like what and yeah. I'm like watching this downstairs and I remember I was staying with my cousins in Virginia and I like <laughs> run upstairs. I'm like, did you guys just watch this? And they're like, yes. What on earth? And then it's like that week was just like weird. It's like Trump goes and like talks to a Republican retreat 
and he like did his Muslim ban, and there was the huge fallout from that. It was just like one of the most bizarre weeks in American history. Um, very, very weird. And it's like, uh, you remember the Mooch? Like the week of, of Scaramucci? Yeah. There's just so much. But why Trump is the worst president of the post-war era, and arguably, possibly of all time, is he's like, I don't know, the only president who like actively sought to destroy the institutions of the U.S. government. Yeah. Directly, I. It's pretty hard to argue with that. I don't think he would argue with that, right? Is he's been very upfront <laughs> right. about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm guessing but, we'll spend a lot of time on our least favorites and our favorite presidents. So I don't. Yeah. The 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 COVID thing, which I can't believe I forgot, um, but it's just like. There, there was, like, an opportunity there for him, right? <laughs> to... Every other world leader took it. Yeah, I don't yes. know. Yeah, literally the, the approval ratings of every other world leader, I believe, went up during the pandemic. Except maybe uh, Bolsonaro, but for similar oh, yeah. reasons well, to Trump. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the fact that he was contradicting... I've, I've never, I don't know that there's ever been a president, maybe outside of, like, Nixon during Watergate, who has, like, contradicted their own administration more than Trump has. Hmm. Right? Just, like, the way he sort of refused to defer to the CDC. Um, and, like, his his big thing, he wants to be tough on China. Literally, like, this was an opportunity to be like, you know, we have to, we have to, I mean, like, I know he, this is, like, problematic. But it's, like, he could have just been, like, we have to, you know, unite against this thing that came from China. Like, there was, there was political opportunity there. But he's such a poor politician that he couldn't, he couldn't seize on it. <laughs> Right. And this is this is what I don't. <laughs> this is what I don't get. I was in this very uncomfortable uh, Zoom call with some members of my family recently, and we were talking about people who aren't getting vaccinated. <laughs> it's just like, so worst case scenario is you're assuming this virus was like created by China to like attack America, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to choose not to get vaccinated against it and let China win. That's your plan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, it's so fascinating that that has taken root. I mean, it tells you everything you need to know about the Trump era, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you'd rather be destroyed by a foreign power than by the Democrats. Yeah. That's very dangerous and terrible. And honestly, anyone who supports it is uh, actively undermining democracy and just the rule of law. Yeah. He was the own the libs president. Yeah. And he only ended up owning himself. Oh. <laughs> All right. Who's your number 12, Mike? Uh, so it is George W. Bush. Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I went on. I went long on him, I feel like, on the Watching Mates episode. But basically, I, I think all you have to... I, like, I do legitimately think the Iraq War is probably the worst American foreign policy decision of all time. It was completely unnecessary, uh, la- led to the deaths of lots of people and also just completely made Bush's like the neoconservatives and Bush's sort of cadre irrelevant in American politics. Like it is the biggest unforced error in American history at the very least. Um, And that's not to mention, you know, bungling the Katrina response. Um, His presidency only gets worse, right? It's like he starts out, whatever 
Then things get bad, and then he goes mm-hmm. into all these wars, and then like you're like, wow, it can't get much worse than this. We're in two wars now, and it gets really, really bad. Yeah, yeah, and like you know, is is he to blame for the financial crisis? Probably not. Probably yeah. mostly out of his hands, but like, it didn't help that it happened while he was president. <laughs> right. Um, and even like, no child left behind was just like a complete and utter like failure. Yeah. Like it, it did absolutely nothing. And he just really, I and I know obviously sort of the war on terror was in a way, or you know, the events that led to the war on terror was foisted upon him. I think the consensus is he never wanted to be a foreign policy focused president. But I mean, you just gotta and just like a really poor job, you know. Uh, uh, if they would say, it's just like a very uh, bad cabinet <laughs> um from dick cheney to alberto gonzalez to um who am i like paul wolfowitz wasn't technically in the cabinet but he he was he was not good i mean uh, carl rove was in government at that time yeah yeah, yeah. carl rove is smart but he's like bad <laughs> um like don uh donald rumsfeld like all these people just like absolutely like in a way Trump's cabinet has like made off better and has a better political future than Bush's cabinet does. Oh, I actually completely agree. They're like they are completely toxic. Trump Trump's cabinet actually has some like weirdly admirable people, and it may have just been a is like you see them next to Trump and you're like, oh, this guy must right. be a saint. Um, I mean, it's just, like you remember when like everyone was like, oh my god, Rex Tillerson is is like crazy. How could he ever choose someone that bad? And then. Like, I remember, like, The Economist did a full 180, and they're like, actually, Rex Tillerson's, like, kind of doing a good job. Yeah, he, like, knew what he was doing. <laughs> right, right. Very, uh, very weird. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 it, the Afghanistan war, I mean, and I, I think we've all acknowledged the Afghanistan war has not really worked, uh, yeah. certainly in this day, and... Yeah, that's George W. Bush's fault, and to a large extent, it's also Barack Obama's fault. I'm not mm-hmm. going to, you know, be too partisan there. Um, but the Iraq War is... I mean, Vietnam is, like, very bad and obviously killed more people. Mm-hmm. But I, the Iraq War was just predicated on a complete falsity and a lie. And yeah. I think you could it discouraged a lot of people and very much enabled the rise of... of Donald Trump. Yeah, I feel like with the Vietnam War, it's like it's a matter of like degree, right? It's like okay, yeah, we we agree communism is bad, but like, do we have to be playing whack a mole with every communist uprising around the world? Right. Whereas with Iraq, it's like, yeah, it it was based on a complete fabrication, and uh, it was just kind of like they just they felt like it. They just got tired of Saddam Hussein <laughs> and uh, wanted to get rid of him and killed a lot of people in the process and. And 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 arguably create the condition conditions uh, necessary for Donald Trump to become president. So, you know, <laughs> he also led to the worst president. So there, there you go. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I wish there was more admirable stuff to say, but it's just. I think it's important to draw somewhat of a distinction between the two of them, just institutionally, right? Is it? Oh yeah. George yeah. W. Bush was very. Like, by the end of his presidency, he was basically resigned to... I mean, he was basically like, Nancy Pelosi, can you, like, just, like, pass these bills and I'll sign them? Because yeah. I don't yeah. I don't know. 
Mm-hmm. There is something... He never... Yes, obviously he was torturing people and that was unconstitutional and bad, but he was never actively trying to destroy institutions. And now I'm going to stop talking about Trump. Okay. (laughs) Rank number 11, Mike. Who's the 11th best post-war president? Um, I went, so I I think my suspicions of this one may be where we first diverged, but I don't actually know. Sure. I have uh, Richard Nixon. Interesting. We definitely diverge. Yes. So Nixon, I think, a skilled politician. Uh, he did accomplish things. He did found the APA. Um, he did uh, some other stuff that is escaping me right now. But, um, well, you know. I mean, uh, he, he basically ended the Vietnam War eventually. He, he did. Um, he, he got us off the gold standard. Um, well, in foreign exchange, yeah. Yes. He, he, he began the war on cancer. Um, you know, the moon landings happened while he was president, but I was thinking about this and it's just like, well, a, he, he, yes, he was also, um, carrying out an illegal war in Cambodia while, uh, Vietnam was happening. And he was, uh, also just cooked up this really, if you read about like what sort of the way they tried to spin further involvement in Vietnam, it was basically like they were like, we will stop bombing Vietnam if they release our prisoners. And then they released the prisoners, and they were like, you have to release more prisoners. And they were like, we don't have more prisoners. And they were like, oh, don't you? Wink, wink. And just basically use that to justify the rest of their bombing. Um, and also, like, Watergate, I it, you know, if you do something that so completely shatters, along with Vietnam, but just, like, completely shatters the Americans faith in just like government and public institutions that it then becomes a suffix for every other scandal that ever happens. That's very bad. And I don't, I, to me that completely overshadows what he accomplished. And again, I think very smart guy, very skilled politician, you know, maybe if he didn't have such a terrible childhood, it would have all worked out better for him. But I, I just think you can't ignore just what, how terrible an effect that Watergate had. Yes, I, I think these are fair things. I am slightly more of a Richard Nixon defender than you are, if only because mm. I've invested so much of my life in him. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's not my number 11th, but let, let's let's talk about him, right? Is, is he... It was, what stands out to me about him, just in contrast... To someone like Trump, I said I was going to stop, but it's hard. (laughs) I always think to something you told me almost like five years ago, which is like Nixon at the end of the day was a patriot and he cared about the country and he was willing to do the right thing eventually. Mm -hmm. You do not ever see that about Trump, right? That's true. Um, So I think there is actually no comparison there. Yes, Nixon was a racist. He was bad and he did some bad things Mm -hmm. uh he also did some good things and yes trump also did a couple good things that's how people tend to work um in the grand scheme of things i i i think i weight some of the stuff nixon isn't remembered for higher um just like you know economically in in terms of like economic policy 
he really kind of like finalized this like great era in American economic mm-hmm. history. Um, and I just, people never remember that. Right. It's just yeah. completely overshadowed by this very big wrong thing he did. Now, to your credit, uh, Nixon also like may have committed treason to win the 1968 elections, yes. uh, which was not a thing that was known until a few years ago and all these files came out. But it's like he like actively was lobbying uh, the Vietnamese to like not take the deal Johnson had on the table to end the war because he was going to offer them a better deal, mm-hmm. um, you know, thereby costing Humphrey the election. Uh, that's like very bad. That's like a Trump move. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's really bad. So, yes, I think Nixon is a very fair uh, 11th place. But mm-hmm. my 11th place is actually the man who pardoned him, Gerald Ford. Ah. <laughs> and he, he is my uh, he is my 10th. Gotcha. So. And my reasoning for that is if you assume Nixon was so bad, shouldn't Gerald Ford... <laughs> who forgave him be bad <laughs> no i don't know i just you know i feel bad because gerald ford doesn't really get much of a chance mm-hmm. um i don't have a lot of negative things to say about gerald ford i kind of i'm i'm, I'm on the side that pardoning nixon was the right thing to do yeah uh but i mean like you know win inflation or whip inflation now his mm-hmm. like all that is just a complete like a bungle and it, it it's not clear there's any actual like success from his presidency other yeah. than i guess putting watergate to rest so he gets yeah. my 11th place just out of apathy that that that's a fair point i mean just someone who was really thrust into the position and really in an impossible position i think um but yeah also just uh didn't really have a lot to offer, I think, at the end of the day. Um, like, and I think about it now, it's like, maybe if I were to redo this, I'd maybe swap him and Nixon. Um, because I'm thinking, like, well, Ford did kind of, like, further detente along with the Helsinki Accords, but like Nixon started detente. Nixon has, like, um, successful policy achievements. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's why, to be clear, Nixon is also not my number 10th, but okay, <laughs> he's coming. Um, yeah, I, I don't have a ton to say about Ford. He just... You got to do a little more to make it on my list. <laughs> oh, that that's totally fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, and your tenth was Ford. Yeah. So my tenth. Here's our first really controversial one. Uh, I went with Ronald Reagan as tenth. Mm. Is so now we can make the the now we can talk about Nixon. Who, in comparison to Reagan, Reagan was more actively like detrimental to the country than Nixon. Mm-hmm. I think historically. It, and certainly the last, you know, 40 years since Reagan, like, rose to the national scene, I think has proved that point. Mm-hmm. Nixon never, like, enabled the elements of conservatism and just wild, wild behavior that rapidly escalated in the 90s and again in the 2010s that Nixon did. Is it is at least Nixon... I, I don't know. Is he he was willing to pl- to play ball with the with the other side and to resign? Um, and you know, it's not like Reagan did not have his own pretty uh, significant scandals at the end of his presidency. That is true. Iran Iran Contra, of course, stands out. Um, I also will just say, 
and we'll get to this when we get to Reagan in my rankings as well, is that just, like, completely overrated from a foreign policy perspective. Yes. Like, I don't know. It it's, it, 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 it is just, it, it feels like such a, um, it, it is a circuitous uh, logical argument to be like, well, you see, him investing in the Star Wars program, it can, like a thing that never actually did anything, yeah, um, no. scared the Soviets and made them want to invest in their um, own thing. And that's what led to their economic collapse and then the collapse of the USSR. It's like, yeah, I don't really buy that. I think that like um, the like economic and social forces that caused the fall of communism probably would have happened without Ronald Reagan. Right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the Berlin Wall fell apart because of like an accident, a miscommunication. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 I think history has actually been far kinder to Nixon than Reagan in the last ten years. Mm-hmm. As I just feel like so many things Reagan did lasted uh, in a bad way. Right? Is, is mental health in this country, homelessness in this country, how we treat? I mean, the uh, how he treated. The gay community in this country. Uh, how he responded to apartheid is oh, just like, yeah, yeah, yeah like was real bad. N- Nixon. Nixon was racist, but there's this call with Reagan that is equally racist, right? That came mm-hmm. out a couple of years ago. Yeah, um, where he is saying some like crazy stuff mm-hmm. um, about people who live in Africa. It's just like all that stuff lasted. Whereas the things that like Nixon did that lasted, or that came about because of Nixon, it's like. Yes, sunshine legislation came about because of Nixon, but I'm not going to credit mm-hmm. him with that. But, you know, environmental protections, the Clean Water Act, the EPA, uh, uh, yeah, the, the, the Bretton Woods economic system that, you know, hit its nexus during his presidencies, those things, like, were good and mattered. Whereas the yeah. things that Reagan did were bad, and are st- we are still dealing with that fallout. That's true. And again... I, you know, create not to go back to to the boogeyman, but like created the conditions that led to Trump, right? It's good we um, both agree Trump was like our our least. It's a good yeah. it's a good baseline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yes, I I th- I think that's all, um, true. I think the reason why I have him a little bit higher, and we'll get to exactly how high I have him, is because he was at the very least effective. <laughs> like he well, at least. George sort of W. Like, Bush was effective. I guess so. Um, I don't know. I I think that there's something to be said for being able to execute your agenda and actually kind of work with the Democratic Congress every once in a while. And um, I think there's something to be said for that. But but we, we can unpack that later on if we want to. Fine. Who's your number ninth? Number nine, I have uh, Jimmy Carter. Hey, me too. All right. Yeah. Um, so I think Jimmy Carter, he's done a lot of good things since he was president. I don't know that he ever should have been president in a way. I don't know that he had. It seems like I, I view Jimmy Carter and I think he was just maybe there's probably a universe where he is a very good president. I think he was the wrong man at the wrong time. I just don't think he was um, had the political imagination necessary to deal with the problems that the United States was facing. Right he was not the figure they needed and just i think his priorities weren't in a way misaligned right like i am also very pro-human rights <laughs> um 
and uh, and and I think his foreign policy was like generally pretty good. I, I I don't again I don't think the Iran hostage crisis is not his fault, <laughs> right? And it 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 is kind of insane the level of blame that I guess you get. I mean, again, you're president, you get blamed for everything bad that happens, but it's like, what was he gonna do? Start a war if I ran over like you know, I think less than a hundred people. I don't even remember how many people. Yeah. Um, were taken hostage. Like I. You know, but um, I think that there's just like a general, um, again, pardoning Vietnam War draft evaders, good thing. Um, but I, I just generally think that he, like I said, just really lacked the skills necessary for. He would have been like a great '90s president, I think. Yeah. Right. I, um, I think there's a lot of similarities actually between him and Bill Clinton. Yeah. Uh, in terms of approach to the presidency. Yeah. Um, but again, I think just sort of lacked the political will. And it was just, I think, actually a poor communicator of the American people, right? You think of the Malay speech, which gets, I think, a little overblown in the sense that, like, public reaction to it was actually not initially that bad. And it wasn't until people started writing about it and, like, like columnists started writing about it that people were like, oh, hey, yeah, I didn't like that speech, actually. Um, like, so, some consent was manufactured there. But, uh, you know, I, I just think was kind of... Just not up to the task. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like as we said at the onset of this, you know, in our multi-year dive through post-war presidents, I, I feel like you and I have generally been pretty kind to Jimmy Carter. I mean, mm-hmm. especially in, in uh, running mates, because I mean, he and Mondale kind of, you know, revolutionized what the vice president means. Um I don't know, even in, even in watching mates, we were pretty, we're always pretty, like, sympathetic to, like, it's not really his fault. Yeah. Just a lot of stuff happens that I don't know. Yeah, it's I feel like history has been fairly kind to him though. Is is mm-hmm. he's he's clearly like a very good I, I I think you could probably argue that of all of the post war presidents, he's the best person. Like you yeah. Would, I yeah. I I think I would very confidently say that actually. Um he just seems very genuine and very um good yes Mm. you need to do more to be president but um he he didn't like ruin anything no no no, nothing that happened under his watch is like you know still with us we're not still dealing with it (laughs) he didn't ruin things but he'd fail to fix them i think is what yeah what the problem was that's that's well put mike well put who's your number eight so this is where i have reagan this is where I have uh, Nixon. So. Oh, <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I think, yeah, like I said, there's something to be said for executing an agenda. It felt weird to have, I think, in a way, well, I was going to say it felt weird to have, like, a two-term president lower than eight, but obviously Bush is right. <laughs> 12, so uh, I don't know. It, I, Maybe this is just sort of, like, the my my last few sort of like republican brain cells <laughs> that like makes me have them rank a little higher um you know the economy was good granted it was it the economy that that was a little bit of a you know um didn't didn't really last and he actually had his struggles with recessions and things like that right um and i think that supply side economics is a generally failed policy but uh so i'm talking to myself into maybe he put making him lower 
But like I said, uh, you know, it, I don't know. It there's feels there. weird to put Carter above Reagan. I will yeah. give you that. Yeah. And there, I think there's something to be said. And again, like, Reagan would have been a great... You know how in some European countries they elect a president who doesn't have any actual duties? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he would have been great at that, right? Right, right? You know, he's the great communicator for a reason. He made people feel good. Uh, and he was basically selling them a version of the past that never really existed. And and again, and I think, you know, there he he actually I I would argue that he created sort of like um the molded the expectations for like future presidents. Like I think the reason why um H.W. Bush is kind of like not as held high regard as some people is because like he didn't have the sort of like warmth of Reagan. You know, he was seen as like he was he was he was a wonk, right? And he was kind of cold. Mm. Um whereas Reagan was just kind of an ideologue, but who was like friendly. <laughs> um so yeah, I don't know. Maybe if I redo this I'd have him a little lower, but that's no, I mean that's I, I get it. I think it, I think you could argue that Ronald Reagan is the most He's certainly more important than Carter, and he's probably more important than the rest of the presidents we've mentioned. Yeah. Maybe Trump could end up being more important in the long <laughs> run for a completely different reason. But, I, I mean, you... you, I don't think it's any comparison. Is is Ronald Reagan changed America. And, like, the 1980 election was, like, a, definitely a realignment, right? Is mm-hmm. is. You, uh, the realignment we are probably still dealing with is yeah. Uh, it 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 turned America very dramatically to the right, and we have been there ever since. We mm-hmm. can pretend that we moved to the left, but we didn't. I mean, that every Democratic president after then, which has now only been three, has been mm-hmm. far more centrist than you know any of the Republican presidents yes. since then. Uh, with the exception of the person who I put as my number seven. H.W. Bush. <laughs> Interesting. I do not have him as seven. Okay. I have. I have Lyndon B. Johnson as seven. Interesting. Yes. Well, I'll let you go first. Talk, tell me okay. about Lyndon Johnson. So Lyndon B. Johnson, I think, uh, has a pretty incredible, actually, domestic uh, legacy. Right. Um, he obviously passed Civil Rights Act. He passed Voting Rights Act. He established the American welfare state um, in, in its modern form. And, you know, really trans- sort of um, saw through the transformation of the Democratic Party that John F. Kennedy was trying to spur on, right? Where, and in, and in, in an unlikely way, right? You know, I'm, I'm sure in some ways his personal politics maybe did not align with his professed politics. And... Yeah. The things he ended up doing but he he recognized what was needed for the times and he did it and was actually you know took a pretty hard line against the segregationists and the democratic party certainly is, a realignment too is, is yes yeah the entire yeah. democratic party changed under him that said the vietnam war is very bad <laughs> and he um basically made congress create a whole new set of war powers for the president that would let him execute the war without war actually being declared um probably lied about what happened in the gulf of tonkin and uh that is bad (laughs) um i i I just think that you can't ignore um the really dangerous precedent that set um 
not just for Vietnam, but also for like Afghanistan and Iraq later. Yeah, so I have Johnson um, actually kind of significantly higher than seventh place. Uh, I, I won't reveal where yet, but I, I think I was thinking about this. In the, and this is the lens I've kind of viewed all of these through is like who ends up like mattering whose decisions lasted the longest mm-hmm. and yes the Vietnam War was like terrible and there were there was lies and corruption and all kinds of like horrible stuff that went on but like Johnson's domestic policies have outlived it I, the, who is this do, does the Civil Rights Act and like Medicare and Medicaid and like all, all of that Stand that that is still around, right? That is still very important. It is, uh, and we are still like relying on these things. Vietnam has not mattered in American like politics for what forty years. Yeah, I uh, I I would say it mattered in the two thousand four presidential election well, in a okay, very weird sure. way. <laughs> yes, sure, uh, sure, but you you know mm-hmm. what I mean, right? Is is the yeah Viet a lot of people died in vietnam for no good reason and it was a bad war but do the domestic achievements not stand the test of time I, I, it's like no i, I, I get what you're, you're saying do, do does what he accomplished domestically outweigh the what the bad stuff that happened in vietnam and i think that's an interesting question and it it certainly it was funny i uh was in a class last semester in Vietnam came up for some reason and my professor was like oh yeah I had a I had a student who was like from Vietnam and I asked her what she thought about Americans and they're like oh they're fine they just like come to like Vietnam and spend all their money doing like touristy stuff now right and so I think in a way the hatchet's kind of been buried well like Vietnam is now like an ally we we import Mm -hmm. so much from Vietnam Mm -hmm. but it did also, um, like, Vietnam was, even after, like, you know, the U.S. basically, you know, pulled out, um, it was, like, the subject of debate and actually shaped a lot of the debate around um, how America should be viewed in the world and um, what kind of was true when it came to American power, right? I mean, the uh, return of POWs, was incredibly controversial. Mm. I mean, there was um, division within the POWs themselves about what they should and should not be saying to the press, right? And um, that really, sh- that that kind of a thing. If you dislike Ronald Reagan, that 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 is what led to the rise of Ronald Reagan, right? Mm. Because the the basically you got at, coming out of Vietnam, the POWs and lots of other people were like, we have to start telling the truth about. Um, America, essentially, right? And this really horrible thing we were involved in. And Reagan was essentially like, no, we don't. We can ignore all that and just stay great and always be great. Um, so, I don't know. I, to me, the the bad... Maybe I've been reading too much uh, books about Vietnam, <laughs> but that, that... Yeah, I don't know. Fair. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, we'll unpack it more when we get to where he is on mine. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, my my number seven, like I said, was H. W. Bush. He's he's my number six. Okay, gotcha. He's he's better than expected, right? Is yeah. is um, you know we're now in our we're now in the top half. It's like these presidents are 
better than average in the post-war period. H.W. Bush was around at like possibly the most important time in American mm-hmm. foreign policy of these presidents. And like everything I, I hold like near and dear, he started, right? <laughs> NAFTA, <laughs> yeah. end of list, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just like NAFTA and the post-Cold War like world order mm-hmm. were, you know, very much like established under H.W. Bush and like planned out meticulously by someone who was very capable of planning these things out and like knew what he was doing and then carried on by uh, a Democratic president who was very moderate leaning and knew that this was like a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the world changed so much under H.W. Bush and he handled it like a champ. Yes. Yeah. He may be our best foreign policy president of the post-war era. Oh, I absolutely. might dare say that. Domestic policy, he was also, like, raising taxes was a good thing to do at that time. Yeah, (laughs) that's That's how, how, like, government works. Mm -hmm. Um, Taxes have, you you, got to raise taxes sometimes. (laughs) And yeah, he shouldn't have gone up there and said no new taxes. And now Mm -hmm. every Republican in the country is saying no no taxes ever, I'll sign a pledge. Mm-hmm. Last, that is the last time taxes were like significantly raised for the country, yeah. and America pays much less in taxes than most other countries in the OECD, which is mm-hmm. a club of roughly comparable countries. Yeah. Um, so he gets my vote on foreign policy. He gets my vote on economic policy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's he he's not as socially like progressive, but he wasn't like as bad as Reagan. He's no. way more, like, sane and compassionate. I don't know. And it didn't really, as far as I know, it didn't really, like, manifest in policy that much. <laughs> right. Um, outside of, I guess, the drug war, which, I mean, but that everyone wasn't, has. Yeah. 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 Um, the ADA he also signed, which was, like, the most significant civil rights legislation since the Civil Rights Act. Yeah. The Americans with Disabilities Act. And, yeah, I, I, it reminds me of, to bring back the presidential podcast in the Washington Post, they talk about how... When the Berlin Wall fell, which remember, it fell under Bush, it did not fall under Reagan. Yes. When the Berlin Wall fell, um, you know, he was being interviewed in the Oval Office about it. And the interviewers were like, why are you, like, not more excited? Like, why are you, why do you not feel triumphant right now? And he's like, well, maybe it's not an excitable person. But the importance <laughs> of that was that, like, if, <laughs> which I think is true, but, like, the importance of that is that, like, were he to be excited, like, then the Soviet Union feels threatened. And then right. that puts us in a precarious foreign policy position. And he managed it very deftly, right? He managed to not be overly triumphant and may have actually, you know, avoided nuclear war and, like, a really... Russia has had lots of political problems since, but avoided perhaps even, like... He probably avoided... May have helped avoid, like, a Russian civil war. Yeah. Um, and, like, during, uh, like... I think that his vision for like how American power should be used in the post Cold War era was like pretty spot on for the most part. I mean, the like Persian Gulf War, I think is like I think it's pretty justifiable. I he mean, was certainly president during the last war America won. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and arguably the last just war they fought. Right. Um, yeah, I I I just think that like and he showed restraint, right, in that regard. It was like, yeah, we're getting him out of Kuwait, and then we're not going to do anything else because that would be bad. <laughs> like, we, we, we wouldn't be able to, to to pull off a whole nation-building project, which, uh, 
Yeah. Um, mm. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I just... And, and like like you said of, like, raising taxes, it's like he was a guy who knew... He was, like, not an ideologue, right? He was a pragmatist, and he knew that sometimes you have to do things you don't really want to do for the good of the country. And he, he ended up paying the price for it politically, but I think it was worth it. I it mean, like, was the right thing to do, and that's imagine, what you want out of a president. Like, he and Reagan were primary rivals in 1980. Imagine what America would look like if Bush were president from 1980 to 1989. Oh, oh Mike. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> and Reagan would have been, like, completely out of it, not even able to run in, in 88. Yeah. And, and America without Reagan. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. H.W. Bush, mm. better than you think. And we are now halfway through our post-war presidents, so we will see you all next week to talk about who we picked as the best post-war presidents. Thank you for listening, everyone. And you can follow us at The Post Writer or email us at our email address, uh, contact at thepostwriter.com. Uh, we love hearing from you. So come chat with us. <laughs> it's, of course, the Post Writer Podcast brought to you by thepostwriter.com. Uh, and you can ch- check out stuff we work on, things we've written, and our other podcasts over there. We will see you all next time. And my thanks, of course, to Mike for joining. <laughs>